Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Nevluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Welcome back to the Restoring Darkness podcast. On today's show, I am pleased to be joined by Elisa Hilgen, the lighting coordinator for the city of Uvascula, Finland. Elisa is a lighting designer, light artist, and lighting coordinator. The city of Uvascula is known as the city of light. She has previously worked in the field of building and interior design and has over 15 years of experience in different fields of lighting. For the last seven years, she has focused on urban lighting and light art projects. Her job as the lighting coordinator for the city of Uvascula includes taking care of the dark time cityscape by organizing design projects and maintenance for urban lighting and working in the light festival team. She is also the LUCI, L-U-C-I, Association contact person for the city of Uvascula, which is currently which is currently the president of the Global Network. Okay. So you can find her on social media. She's on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And there's a website all posted on the Restoring Darkness podcast. So if you're listening to this, you can go to restoringdarkness.com and find her episode and click in there and engage with all her social media. But bef- while you go there, why not consider donating to the charity that supports the show, and that is the Lighting and Darkness Foundation, a 501c3 here in the United States. I'm not in the United States, but it's in the United States. So you can donate to that, and, and we do all kinds of work, advocacy work. We, um, we're creating educational programs, and we're creating awareness around night preservation and darkness restoration. And you can just click Donate on the website. Why not become a recurring donor? why not everybody has their own way to give and sometimes that's volunteering sometimes it's getting involved with your job other times it's just giving money and we're happy if for all the donors out there so far and and for anyone else and if you want to donate to a particular darkness campaign you click darkness campaigns and you can help out the good folks in Wasatch back county in utah and they're in a darkness um they're embroiled in a lighting ordinance dispute with their county and they need your support so go to restoringdarkness.com Elisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. First of all, um, how many is lighting coordinator a common job in cities and towns in Finland? No, actually, it's very rare because I'm in Finland. I'm the only one. <laughs> I guess there is very similar uh, uh, tasks other cities also do, but the title might be different. But the lighting coordinator. In Finland, I'm the only one, and it's a really, really good place to be. Also, you get to, you know, work with the networks, but also see very deeply what's going on inside the city. Uh, there is similar uh, titles in in cities in Sweden, for example, but in Finland, not very typical yet. Maybe some cities will follow behind. I don't know, but I think there should be more coordinating in in urban lighting issues in general, as we know. How much of this? of this lighting coordinator position, how much of it is security, safety, uh, entertainment, theatrical, holidays, darkness restoration? Like, it seems like when reading your bio that the job is holistic and that you're looking at how people in Uvascula interact with light and also maybe plants and animals as well. Tell me a little bit about the different things that you do in your position. Yeah, that is very true. It's very, every day is different. You get to work mm. with very basic lighting, the street lighting, the parks, also the maintenance of the of the lighting. 
uh, that includes all the special illuminations that we have, like bridges and facades. Uh, but it's also a lot about communication. It's about spreading knowledge about good lighting for locals, but also outside Gyvaskula to other cities and, for example, to Lucy Network and uh, in situations like this. So uh, a lot of, about my work is, is uh, communication, social media, websites, doing newsletters and so on. Uh, but also what we what we do inside the city when we design new areas or there's urban development things going on, I just try to be involved. So kind of get the big picture of what's going on inside the city, what's being built, what's being restored, what kind of events happening. So I just try to keep track of uh, what's happening and then help people with our guidelines, visions and strategies and try to push all the information that we, we have and we know how things should be done. So just to be involved anywhere I can. It's it's very nice uh, place to be because you get to see very, very different. It can be sports areas or it can be light festivals and anything in between. But also um, talking about darkness, of course, and nowadays even more about light pollution um, and how we can, for example, take... Um, bio people, environmental people in, in projects, and then we can consult with uh, different experts. Like I'm only a small part of the mm. teams sometimes. The um, Just to understand this, um, um, fully understand this role, there's a new development of some kind. It could be a sports field. It could be a commercial building. It could be a residential neighborhood or a multi-residential high-rise building. And they make an application to the town of Uvascula to build this particular property or renovate this particular property in some way. And then at what point does Elisa get involved with the architects and the designers and the people that are doing that? How does that go down? That is a good question. There's few different steps, uh, but sometimes it's already in the urban zoning phase. Mm. So even before anything has been built or designed, there could be um, uh, regulations inside the zoning. So I just check that everything goes as, as it should be. But the next phase is, of course, the building permits. So sometimes they send the designs for me to give the statement or to check. And then the building permit is okay, or I can comment or give suggestions. Uh, sometimes it's just I'm part of the jury in competitions or give comments on the on the lighting issues. Um, some sites I've even designed myself, so it's it's a, it's various uh, roles actually, but it depends on the scale and and the phase of the project. So even from the zoning, it's very that's very powerful tool, and and it's that's the the base level, but it's usually the building permits, and then from that point. Does uh, the zoning? It's, it's quite actually. Now when I try to explain it, I can I can see it's actually very complicated system it is to me it is somewhat a, it, it, so you're like like what you are is a knowledge worker right so yes. you're 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 it's not the, the job isn't prescribed that you process form 103 down at uvascular yeah. city hall it's not like that you're going out and applying your knowledge to um the development and maintenance of your town the you talk to this zoning does the zoning have like let's say something zoned for commercial or industrial or residential whatever particular zoning it is 
is there a powerful lighting ordinance at the universe um, at Uva in Uvascula that will then apply to those particular how those structures are built in that area? It depends on where the area is. It comes from our old master plan. So if the area is like when you are entering the city, if there is important facades or if there is, like you said, high rise buildings or there is historically important buildings, it depends on the site. Mm. So not always, but sometimes there is like mentioning, like if you're going to build here, you need to consider this. And it usually says that lighting has to be done by the professional lighting design. It has to be non-glare, no light pollution and the designs need to be checked with the lighting coordinator. So that would, that's how that it you. usually starts. Have yeah. you ever rejected a design? Uh, no, that's usually the point where you get into the discussion okay. and you can give your advice. You can get give suggestions like you need to change this and this, and then it will be okay. Uh, and then it just circles back, but never like total no. It's interesting because, um, uh, I, I have access to my town's um, governance where I live in, in Stovall in Ontario. And um, that's a longer story. I'm not going to tell you how I have that, but um, I'm able to see the way the town interacts with developers. And it, it seems to be um, that we could use a lighting coordinator in our town um, because the, the converse, first of all, the, there seems to be sort of the interaction between the developers and the town seems to be almost confrontational in some sense is that the that the builders want to build and the town wants them not to build or wants to build them to build in a certain way and there's like almost like some conflict there and they are professional in their engagement in in uvascula do you find that that the 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 process is more collaborative. Is that what you're doing? Instead of yeah. rejecting their plan, you're saying, this is Uvascula Finland. This is how we do it. You're going to need to do this, this, and this. And so you're more a professional consultant with guidance. Yeah. What's that? Exactly. It's more like pushing to the right direction. And I don't think it's a, it's a Finnish way in general, mm. the, the confrontation and very strict. It's about, we need to guide people how we want them to build and how we want the city to look. It's not about fighting against each other. But when I explain this, I also noticed that um, it's not always this simple. There is a lot of uh, things happening in Uvascula that I don't get access uh, early enough and we can see bad lighting happen. Uh, mm. But that's kind of like how it should be and how it usually is. But then again, we come to another tool that I think cities need is when something bad happens. I mean, when somebody does bad lighting, we don't have much tools to, we don't have any sanctions or we don't have any tools to say, you need to take this down and, and do it again. This is not okay. And this is what's bothering me at the moment and something we need to think forward. We can we can guide people if they if we get in into the project early enough, mm -hmm. but afterwards it's very tricky to say that, no, start over. Yeah, that's so where that's the pain that that's become it becomes painful for them now. Now they're being penalized. Yes. They're being bylaw officers. You yes. have to write um, tickets and, exactly. and these types of things. Yeah, and, and then it they, could be they've been using a lot of money for investing to this lighting that is not good. It's not for mm -hmm. we, what we want. So that's why we say talk to us and consult with us in early phase. It's mm -hmm. easier for everybody. Yeah, and then and then you won't have these problems because um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I th you know, it's interesting that um, a lot of um, towns, they, especially um, 
in Canada where I live, I think it's easier for Europeans because they have a much bigger heritage. Is the heritage of the town is maybe hundreds of years old, thousands some in some cases. And in, in Canada, it seems like a lot of towns lack a vision of what they want to be, you know, and, mm. and, and lighting has such a big impact, if not the most, the biggest impact on how you want your town to feel and be and, 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 and this kind of thing. And it, it, it seems like a very wise thing for these developers to get in touch with you and, and Uvascula. And so they don't make the mistakes that, that you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. But in, in, in my I mean, town, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to build bad lighting, and and why they don't contact us early enough? It's about communication and it's about knowledge. They don't know, they they don't do it to be mean or to no. build anything ugly. They just need to know more what we expect and how the process is going, and that's also our work, everyday work, to keep everybody informed about the project. So. And if, you know, if you're working with a lighting designer and that designer is told, here is this vision for the city of Uvascula and, and how, and this is how lighting plays a part of it. People love that actually. They love to yeah. get, figure that out. That's a fun part of the job of, of a lighting designer is to, is to work within those parameters, give them some guidelines um, of how, exactly. the and then it fits into the larger theme of the city. You know, instead yeah. in, in my town, there's like, um, the, they're redeveloping the main street area and the town has all very warm, nice coach lights down the main street area. And this condo put up with 5,000 K high wattage lights in front of the condo. And it just doesn't fit in with the main street. The building looks great during the day. They built it with the kind of bricks and that, that matched the main street area, but the lighting just totally ruins it actually. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also one uh, group of people that we can use for this is that inside many cities there is this city image or some kind of group of city architects and people who decide what, what we want the city to look like. Mm -hmm. And they need to have access to um, plans and designs that include the nighttime uh, visualization or something mm -hmm. about the plan because they don't they don't understand the electrical designs and, and lighting designs that they don't they need to see how it looks during the night so they can comment for, for that not to happen mm -hmm. because nobody knows what's it, what it's going to look like during the night if they don't have any kind of um, visualizations of the, of the lighting scheme. So I think that's also something cities could use. So when you are designing something, cities should, you know, ask for this one, at least. I was recently in Utah in a, um, a city called Haber City. Uh, I was talking about it earlier in the show, and you can donate to those folks. At, if you click Darkness Campaigns, you can donate to the Wasatch County if you're listening to this. They're in the middle of an ordinance battle. But, um, and, you know, we've received almost 7,000 in donations for that project, Lisa, from the good American people out there that care about this. So it's it's going very well for um, for the folks in Wasatch. Uh, but, you know, that's that town has a very strong lighting ordinance, okay? And so... You can see it's in the middle of a valley that's entirely surrounded by mountains. And you can see the stars from mountain range to mountain range in all directions. It's quite beautiful, actually. And the reason why that exists is because the town has a powerful lighting ordinance, which has different zones where certain types of lighting have to be used. And they've been able to preserve their beautiful night sky while 
the town continues to grow and grow and grow. And it's a win-win for everybody. And, you know, yeah. now, now they want to change it to allow uplighting, which is the, what the battle's about um, in that town. But, uh, you know, when you have a vision, when you have a plan for your city, you can, you can um, put some feathers in your cap. Has Uvascula considered becoming a dark sky town or city? Well, it's not... Uh, it's not really in our visions mentioned like that, but we are very into um, taking care of the reducing light pollution. Mm -hmm. And in in many, many Finnish cities, we already we have so much darkness, and it's mm. kind of it's to us it's normal, but we just need to take care of it as as long as we have it, and not illuminate everything we usually want to illuminate. Um, and now I think especially from Lucy Network, all the light pollution working groups, everything we know, we've been reading a lot of research. I think everybody now understands that we need darkness. Of course, that's that's something we, we understand. But also people building supermarkets, parking areas, anything causing a lot of light pollution, they need to understand too. And there is kind of, there's like, we know the battle between being safe and being functional um, and then being dark, but that's not the case. There's so many, there's no, there's so much in between. So we to again educate people and and talk about darkness. Um, and we also think in Uvascula, once we had this fun wordplay, like we want to be the darkest city of light, which is kind mm. of funny. But we also want to, um, as city of light, we want to emphasize the darkness because if we don't have darkness, we we kind of we don't see any of our fancy illuminations, our light festival, everything we do. We need the darkness for that. And also, I think in Finland, it's it's also about for people accepting the darkness because we have so much countryside and areas that don't have light. But in some other, other cities, people are used to have light all the time, 24-7. So our culture is already accepting the darkness and we are enjoying it, actually. But I don't know where is the good balance because we need to, we are building every day. We are building new streets and parks and we need to illuminate. At the same time, we need to take care of the darkness. That's kind of the tough balance to find, I think. Well, he, he, I'm going to hmm. pose a question that I don't think you're going to be able to answer, but maybe you'll we'll, we'll be able to answer it. Um, is safety vis-a-vis uh, -vis or related to electric light outdoor electric light, a technical reality that exists? Or is that just an assumption that, that we have that light will, um, will give people the perception of safety? Like, are we talking about a technical reality or are we just talking about what people perceive and what they perceive is that more light equals more safety? Like you understand what I'm saying? Like I, I'm not sure there's yes. a technical reality that we can specify that this is safe and this isn't. I think we're talking about how yeah. people feel. Exactly, and I love this question. And I have to now say that this is my own personal point of view. Uh, but that's exactly what I try to say to people. It's it's not darkness who is killing people, raping people or um, robbing people. It's not the darkness we are scared of. And and I, I want to say to cities and, and um, designers that it's 
don't blame the the bad lighting for your social issues or your mental illness dealing or your bad education don't blame the lights because that will not fix the problems amen um yeah and this is something i really want to talk about i understand big cities they have a lot of crime a lot of bad areas and the feeling of safety comes from being able to see what you are confronting mm-hmm. but it's not the bad lighting that is causing these crimes it's people and it's their not being well and struggling with the social issues so i totally agree with that and it's easy to say i come from very safe uh, city i can in my hometown i can walk in darkness in middle of the night i'm a lady and no no problems here but i just want to say it's not it's never about lighting so that's not the that's not the lighting is lighting or lack thereof is neither the cause or solution to social problems yeah exactly you know they, this idea that oh the reason why that occurred is because there wasn't enough light there that is not true that is not a true no. statement the reason why that no. happened has to do with a whole host of other social issues like whatever happened that happened there and you know what um you know that i still um am searching for proof that 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 you know let's say you're walking around in the dark or less illuminated or with um illumination which is shielded in that um maybe you're safer i mean maybe that's actually a safer environment for you and this idea that being able to see everything every like criminals get to see too then everybody can see yeah exactly yeah and it's so, a, I have this mind game. I've been us, using this uh, previously. But if you think about you are in a dark forest, in a very, very dark place, and you are in straight spotlight, you are well illuminated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you compare the situation that you are in the same darkness as your environment, or you have a, a tiny amount of light in uh, around you, but you are in the darkness. Which one feels better that you are out there in display and you don't see what's out there? Uh, or you are in the same light level. It's a it's a good mind game, and you need to think about it. But it's always be, as as we know, people are afraid of what they don't understand, or what they don't see, or what might happen. And it's natural to us. We think there's a beast coming from the bush, mm-hmm. or uh, another person doing something bad for you. But I think just adding a lot of layers and layers of light that will not solve the issue. And and usually the more safer places where there's some action, there's some open shops, uh, maybe a restaurant, uh, another people instead of empty space with a lot of light. So this I, I is interesting. But it, yeah. like one, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we tend not to do, we humans, we humans, <laughs> is to look at ourselves as from a zoological perspective. Right. Like, yeah. like zoologically, yeah. humans are not nocturnal animals. Okay? Yeah. So, mm. you know, now we're technologically advanced and we've been able to make all these different lighting systems. But humans are meant, you know, to be out and active during the day it's where they can see everything. Right? And so it's natural yeah. for us to want it, to replicate that at night. The problem is yes. to, what en- to what end? Like to, to what exactly. limit? Yeah, we are just creating another day daylight in our cities. Yes, because we we are working late. We are using uh, nighttime culture. We are 
going about in, in our cities and we just want everything to be as clear as the day because it's it's it feels safe for us but it's not yeah. natural and it's not needed and i don't think it, i don't think it nef- necessarily is safer um i would argue mm, yeah. i would argue that yeah. you know um you know i would say that the, the, it, there's just different kinds of crimes and art- yeah. electric light at night facilitates a different kind of crime than darkness at night facilitates and yeah. you know what level like nobody's advocating for no electric light at night that's not what we're saying mm-hmm. if you go to haber city yeah. in utah they have lights you know they're just all shielded in lower kelvin temperature and in areas the you know the street lights seem a lot further apart and there's just different ways to handle it but i don't think it's an issue of um you know big this is why we t- when on this show elisa we talk about restoring darkness as one thing we're doing and preserving night is a different thing, right? So in a a rural environment, preserving light means what you're talking about, where if you develop here, you have to do these things and you absolutely must do them or you're going to be penalized after. Restoring darkness is going to take a lot longer in our cities and our large cities like Toronto or Helsinki or areas where there's a lot more people living and there's way more lights everywhere and different people have control over those lights. So municipality doesn't have control over all the lighting in the city of Toronto. A lot of the most of the lighting, I would argue, is from is owned by commercial properties and multi-residential high rise buildings. Yes. And that's, that's true. And as we and we know the statistics that the light pollution in general, it's it's caused more by the private um, and because we think it's the big cities and it's the big highways and it's always the, the you know, the countries and cities. But it's it's the it's the private areas. And that's the problem if we don't communicate and if we don't don't um, educate them, they are the, the cause sorry to say but that's how it is and we need to first to recognize where the where the problem is and then need to find some ways to tackle the issue do your do, do your do you anyone in new vascular do they actually work at night so and I, what i mean is yeah. like uh, does is there a bylaw officer or something that will go out at night and have a look at somebody's lighting after hours well yeah that would be kind of also well. There is a, a lot of um, there's a lot of these um, campaigns that we do, and actually um, ask people to preserve, you know, report if there's bad mm-hmm. lighting um, and light pollution sites causing. But there's also it's part of my job to see where the the cause is coming from, um, and um, then we just we report. We try to talk to them. We need we know a few places that I've been talking um, with for years. Um, it's a hardware store uh, and they have these big masts of light uh, in their parking area. And that is kind of uh, the problem. Everybody knows. We can see it from the distance. They know, okay, that's the hardware store. And they are, again, they have the lights aimed badly and it's too mm. too bright. But there's nothing we can do because we don't have the, have the power except talk to them and ask again and again. But it's kind of part of my job also to see what's going on uh, during the night and how the lights are working and where the cause is coming from. We also have a very, very big stadium of sport area. Mm. That's one of the, the worst ones, but it's always a short period when there is games or something. But it's so bright. You can see it from the drones and oh, horrible. 
And uh, but you yeah, know, there's um... the drone lighting is one thing. So what? What? There's a difference between. So you know what's interesting, um, and this is just an observation by me. So if you the when you look at something from the satellites or the drones, okay, there's a difference between sky glow, okay, mm-hmm. and the some of these overhead views, like. Maybe there's nothing wrong with being able to see the stadium from a drone as long as the light is not pointed directly away from the stadium. So if you see this spilling of light away from just because you can see that stadium at night doesn't mean that we want that's necessarily a bad lighting application because, Mm -hmm. you know, all the light could be pointed down and you're able to see it because it's pointed down Mm -hmm. and it's in the right place and it's going to go off after 11 o'clock when the game is over or whatever that is and it's on yeah not every night but the issue comes in when we have a lot of these floodlights pointed okay and i'll give you an Mm. example in the um there's uh uh, the bylaw officers don't work at night in my area Mm. so if you call the town or the city and you say there's a big problem with light pollution over here they're going to go over there during the day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's good right yeah, there's no problem here yes oh they look like led lights they're great but what happened i live on, i live on a farm and in 2013 i moved there and it was really dark in my area and then the led boom happened and this factory area that's like two kilometers north of me everybody changed their lights to led and now there's massive light pollution coming out of that site and yeah I, you can't get them to change it because the, the, it's against the ordinance, but nobody knows how to enforce mm. it. Yeah. Right. That's because why. I think they that's They won't go there at night. They won't go there at night. Yeah. And they yeah. can't see the effect. So they know, all oh, this is just a complaining yeah. guy. He's just complaining. Yeah. Everything's everything's LED, <laughs> so it's good. Everything's LED. And it's like yeah. a it's like a problem. You know, we, we have to address, uh, we have to have people that will go talk to, that will view these lighting yeah. problems at the nighttime, which is what you do. Yeah, that, that is what I do. And and also when we have this feedback system of the city, like one, one example is here. Uh, the guy was very um, disappointed with the street lighting in front of uh, their house. And and he said, we have this dark area in, in front of my house and, and then the LED is very bright on the other part of the street. And the feedback um, came to me and, and one of my co-workers, colleagues in maintenance said, can you go there at night, take your lux meter and check how much they have the light here and, and on the other parts of the street? And so I did. And I made this one one sheet report of the lux levels and we checked it was OK. But it, because there was a contrast, it felt to him that it was uh, a, it wasn't enough. But that's also what we do. We go there and we check. We have the lux meter. I took pictures and then we said, OK, now here is the situation. And and it was settled. It was okay, and I think they were they were happy that somebody is actually reacting to the feedback, sure. and they can yeah. they can have somebody actually working there at night. So this is also something we do, and also sometimes with our um, um, contractor who is doing the maintenance, sometimes we need to go and check the sport areas, and we check the lux meters, or yeah, mm. all kinds of fun jobs during the night. <laughs> you know, you know what's yeah. you know what's interesting is that the um, what what the lighting industry from my perspective, really hasn't grasped is that darkness restoration in cities 
is going to involve more light fixtures because one of the problem, not less light fixtures, more light fixtures, okay? Yep. And one of, one of the problems is like this idea of uniformity. Light fixtures that are going to promote um, dark skies or whatever the term you want to use or re like will abate light pollution are going to be more focused down and be shielded, right? So you're going to need yep. more of them in any given area yes. if you want to create sort of a fairness in light distribution or whatever, however it would be. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, this idea of uniformity using light fixtures that are far apart, that's what causes a lot of sky glow. Um, yep. Because the light fixture Indeed. has to distribute light on a vertical um, um, yep. angle. And that's and also that's glare. Glare. Yeah. Mm. So the lighting yeah. industry needs to understand that it's more lights. That's what it means. What we're exactly. talking about is selling more light fixtures. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you interact with the Lucy, Lucy network. Yeah, well, um, in uh, Uvascular as a city has been a member since 2006, so a long before my time. Um, and um, we've been very actively in um, executive committee, so we've had different roles in, inside Lucy. Um, um, before this place, we, we, we were vice president, and then uh, automatically that will be the next president. And now we are on our second uh season or mandate as a president and and that means that we work together with the lucy office um we take part in all the events we also um um join situations like this so we want to keep talking about good lighting uh, and also we had a big lucy event in uvascula this year in march which was very fun for me to organize because many uh, colleagues from different cities and designers wow. they came to see actually what we do and we had our annual general meeting and uh, a lighting seminar and i was even able to get the the northern lights <laughs> we oh were wow <laughs> yeah imagine that and they were like oh it's the first time for some people to oh, see that sure. and we were walking on ice under one of our most famous uh, bridges kuakala bridge and checking the sides during the dark and we could see people skiing there in the middle of the night and suddenly mm. the uh, Northern Lights appeared. That wow. was an amazing moment. So, Magical. Yeah, it's uh, it is such a nice way to network with different cities, and it's actually uh, is it's very fruitful to find those same people who work with same issues in different cities. Of course, the scale of the city can be very different, big cities and small cities, but we all have the same kind of questions and same problems. So it's, it's such a good network to be part. And also because we have members more than just cities, it's uh, universities and, and companies and uh, manufacturers. So we get to spread this same knowledge, what we need as city, and, and then hear from the researchers and so on. It's, I'm very happy to be part of this. And uh, it's kind of like a good place to see the whole urban lighting industry across the world. You know, I, I would counsel anyone listening to this. Um, <laughs> it, you, you know, you know what's it's interesting about what you said. A lot of people, um, like they get kind of bored in their job or something like that in their career. Maybe they kind of get bored or whatever, so they decide to switch careers or they decide to switch yeah. companies or something like that, and that's okay. But what I would counsel a lot of people on, if they were to ask me, and who cares what I think, but 
if someone asked me, you know, should I switch my job? I'm the manager of this at this town or I'm managing this lighting company. I would say before you switch companies or you switch careers, have you joined an association of your colleagues where people do exactly what you do, but somewhere else? And then have you been to their conference or their convention and met up with your colleagues or are you alone in the struggle? You know, where you are in Uvascula or Paducah, Kentucky or wherever you happen to be, you know, and it kind of like you lose, like you, you don't know what you're doing. You don't have anyone to talk to about your problems. You don't, you know, and then all of a sudden you go to an event like a Lucy event and you fly to, you fly, first of all, you're going to Finland. Second of all, you're meeting with people that do a very similar job in a similar size city to you. Perhaps you're in working groups and next thing you know, you go for a walk and hey, you see the Northern Lights. Like what a magical experience. I would urge people yeah. to join these kind of formal associations. I, I really think it's undervalued. Um, to be a part yeah. of a group like that. I really agree because you get inspiration from other people and then suddenly also when you explain your work to someone else like this, you, you suddenly get really proud of, of what you do also. And, and also, or inspired, I mean, or inspired by inspired. others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and Lucy is also very, um, well, it's also very fun because we, we all work with light and, and working with lighting is fun and working with darkness is fun. And we get to see so many different cities and we have the city under microscope uh, event every year that we mm -hmm. gather in one of the member cities. And then we kind of dig uh, deep uh, inside their urban lighting. We meet people from maintenance and we can talk to their, how do you organize your smart lighting system and things. And it's very interesting. And they are very proud of to tell about their job. And then you get to meet new places and, and see dark cities and and amazing illuminations, of course, and light festivals. But also people, you my network is has expanded like rapidly in the last few years. Mm -hmm. So it's very exciting. Yeah, I would counsel people to whatever it is in your career, if there's an association of people that are colleagues and they get together on a regular basis. That is such a fountain of inspiration and knowledge and learning and collaboration and uh, mentoring and everything. You should definitely, uh, my whole career as a podcaster started with an association, just like mm. Lucy, you know, the Lucy Network, but it was a, um, a lighting association. So I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't be, couldn't say, urge people more to do that. Um, I've really enjoyed our time together, Elisa. Um, do you have any final yeah, thoughts? Yeah, me too. Do you have any final thoughts for the Restoring Darkness listeners? Um, well, I just want to say to everybody that enjoy the darkness and accept it and then enjoy the good lighting. That's, mm. that's all I want to say. We have amazing places and amazing cities that can take advantage of the darkness and from that also advantage of good, good quality lighting. Mm. I think that's the, that's the main point. Well... Folks, if you're in the United States and you're listening to this, why not go to RestoringDarkness.com and donate to the Lighting and Darkness Foundation? Or we're also looking for an executive director um, if you want to help us out um, and uh, you want to volunteer or you have a lighting ordinance issue that you need help with. You go to RestoringDarkness.com, reach out to us, and we want you to know that all of Elisa's social media is on the Restoring Darkness podcast website. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky friendly products than Evluma. 
Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding or the Ariamax with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.